Turn with me over to the book <clears throat> of Luke chapter 24. Book of Luke chapter 24. And we're going to look at, going to look at a, a couple of disciples who were exiting Jerusalem after the resurrection and were trying to figure out all the things that had occurred for the last three or four days. In fact, the last week. Jesus had entered into Jerusalem a week prior and came in with great fanfare. Yet the ending, at least from the natural eye, was not, as, not near as good as the beginning. By the end of the week, the crowds had turned on him. They had crucified him, the leaders of Rome and the leaders of the Jews, and laid him in a tomb. That is the last these men saw of him. And they are now going to a town called Emmaus, which is roughly seven miles from Jerusalem. We don't think either one of these are one of the twelve disciples. But by the time that Jesus had finished his ministry on the planet, he had many more than twelve. The twelve were the primary, save one, who exited the, the, the world a little early, Judas. So there were eleven, and they appointed one later, but then there were seventy somewhere around halfway into his ministry that he had sent out to minister the gospel. And we know that there were 120 on the day of Pentecost, which was 50 days after his resurrection. And so there were many more significant players in the kingdom than just the 12. And we think that these two were part of the significant others than the original 12 that were chosen. We pick up the storyline in chapter 24, verse 13 through 32. 13 through 32. The title of the message, Seeing Jesus on Your Road. Seeing Jesus on Your Road. It says, And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Verse 16. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet of God mighty indeed in word in the sight of God and all the people. Verse 20, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things have happened. But also some women among us amazed us that they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. And they came saying, that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Verse 24. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? The beginning... Then, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Verse 28. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening. 
and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he had reclined a table with them, he took bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Verse 31. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Lord, help us as we study. Three things I'd like to speak to you about on this Easter. One, men speaking. Two, men listening. Three, men seeing. How you speak and how you listen will determine how you see. If you don't speak the right way, not just saying the right words, but speak the right way, and you don't hear the right way, it's going to be very difficult for your eye gate to interpret what your ear gate and your mouth is saying. Your ear gate is hearing and your mouth is saying. Everything about Christianity is based on faith, on what we hear and what we say. And as a result of saying the right thing and hearing the right thing, all of a sudden our eyes become open. God does something supernaturally in our soul and we can see things. Now, I'm not just saying with our natural eyes, though there are some people I know, both in antiquity and today, who have actually seen a vision of Christ. And not just uh, some kind of apparition of the mind, but really had a conversation with him. And Jesus is able to exit glory anytime he wants and come down and fellowship with whomever he wants. He did it when he rose from the dead. He told the ladies at the tomb, let go of me, I got to go to the Father. And then after he went to the Father, he came back to the disciples and indeed spent 40 days with them. Not just in Jerusalem, but also back in Galilee. So he can go wherever he wants. He's not confined to a room, he's not confined to a territory, he's not confined to a city. He can hang out wherever he wants. That's unusual. And I haven't been privileged to have a conversation with him. Not like that. I talk to him in prayer regularly, but it's all by faith. And so I'm not so much talking about what the eye naturally sees. I'm talking about what the eye spiritually sees. I don't walk blindly. I walk by what I see. Faith is not blind. It just sees what the natural cannot These men were speaking. And they were speaking things accurately. Now, we don't know what the conversation was before Jesus appeared. But when when Jesus appeared, they were speaking things that were accurate. Talking about what had happened with the chief priests. And what Jesus was and meant to the people. And and how the the leaders of, of the Jews crucified him and that he died. These are all doctrinal truths. But they weren't mixed with faith. All they were is facts that were stated. And there are a lot of people who can state the facts of scripture. Pastor, I grew up in church. My mama was a deacon. My daddy was an elder. My uncle's a pastor. I understand that Jesus died on the cross, buried in the grave, rose on the third day, got it. I'm glad. Does it make any difference though? Doesn't make any difference. Facts do not a Christian make. As grateful as I am for the emphasis of Easter. 
and all the people who come to church and, and do their clocking in. And that can't be you because nobody does it at 7 a.m. <laughs> if they're going to do that, they do it at 11, 12. Nobody gets up this early just to clock in. As grateful as I am that all the people decide to make this their visit and tip God once a year. Please understand that you get no brownie points with him. That it doesn't reckon you as more righteous the day after than the day before. Because it is not by rote. It is not just by fact. It is by faith. And your faith needs to be exercised in more ways than just once a year for an hour on a Sunday morning. Not dismissing that because there are a lot of people who don't come to that. So I'm happy. I just want you to know that now you're here. There's more. Facts do not a Christian make. Faith does a Christian make. And they were discussing things regarding the the, the truth of the gospel. And what is the gospel? What is it? Most people can't articulate it. Our worship director this morning did a great job, Tiffany. She was saying what the gospel was. It's that God sent his son, Christ Jesus, in the flesh to live the life we should have lived, to die the death we should have died. He rose again on the third day and now offers forgiveness and salvation to all those who would want to repent and follow him and serve him. That is the gospel in a nutshell. You ought to be able to articulate that which saves you. You ought to know it. And so please, when you say the gospel is good news and people say, what is it? You ought to be able to say what it is. And these men were saying what it was, but they didn't know what they were saying. They had no idea. Besides, it is the third day. Yeah. The women came and told us he rose from the dead. Yeah. And some men found the tomb exactly as the women said. And uh, facts do not a Christian make. Men were speaking, but, but they weren't speaking well. And Jesus understood it. And and. When, when he came to them, now you say, well, how did they not recognize Jesus? So, sometimes, I, I, yesterday I was at Home Depot. I spend more time there than I want to. Doing some gardening. That's what I do in the spring. Don't like a bit of it, but I do it. I love my wife. <laughs> So I was at Home Depot picking up some stuff, some mulch, some tools, some trimming stuff, some dirt. I mean, just packing my car full of stuff that I don't care about. <laughs> and somebody saw me. And, and, and they saw me, and I saw them, but there are a lot of people who come to our church, and I don't know them. They saw me, though, and... And it was, it was like they saw, our, I caught one another. I just kept on doing what I was doing because I, I didn't recognize. But they thought they recognized me, but they weren't quite sure because they didn't, I didn't have a bow tie on. <laughs> and so I had these raggedy jeans. I mean, they were raggedy, holes all in. That's what I work in. And I had this sweatshirt and I had tennis shoes. I do do this. I, I don't sleep with bow ties, just FYI. <laughs> so I'm in Home Depot and they weren't quite sure. I, I 
know that man. I, but I, 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 who? And so it took them all the way through the store. They were stalking me. They were just trying to figure out who I was. And then they realized, that's Pastor Brett. He's at Home Depot. He does this. He gardens. It took them a while because I was out of place in their mind. Jesus was out of place in their mind. They thought he was still in the grave. And so they didn't recognize. It took them a minute for them to figure out, oh, my goodness. And by the time they figured it out, he was gone. Man. Oh. That's why. And you've all had that experience. You see somebody, you know somebody, you think it, but they're not in the same spot you saw them last. And so it takes you a minute to reorient. And this is how the disciples were. Now, that's the natural explanation. Maybe the spiritual explanation is that he just blinded their eyes. (laughs) He just didn't allow them to see. Either way, they had no clue. If they had had a clue, don't you think they just would have run up and hugged him? Got at his feet and said, oh, you're everything and more we've ever hoped. But they didn't know. So they were talking, and it says they were sad when he appeared. They dropped their heads. But then Jesus, incognito, begins to inquire, what are these things about which you are speaking as you are walking? As you are walking with Christ... About what are you speaking? I imagine Jesus is asking the same question on the regular. What are these things about which you are speaking as you are walking? Is the word filling your mouth on a regular basis? Are the promises of God flowing from your lips? Or is doubt and unbelief just filling your vocabulary? Oh, I don't feel good today. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to get my job promotion. Oh, my goodness, I don't know if my small group's going to show up in my house tonight. Oh, I don't think I can go to small group because I'm so depressed about how I'm talking. (laughs) It just builds on one another. It just builds. And you begin to, to believe the things that you say And then compound the difficulty by saying things further about the things that you say that may or may not come to pass. But you are believing that they will and now fear is filling your soul about things you don't even know will happen. What are you speaking about as you walk with him? They were walking with him and did not know it. And I want you to know that today you are walking with Christ. And 90% of the time, you don't know it. He's walking with you. What does your language sound like? How do you appear in verbiage to him? Are the things that are coming out of your mouth pleasing to him? Do they inspire him to say, I want to go further with you? Remember, he was about to leave. Why? Ain't nothing to stay for. Ain't nothing to, it was only when they urged him to stay. Now the beauty is this, Jesus is so merciful. He is so kind. He is so patient with you and with me. He endures our stupid talk, our 
our doubt-filled conversation. He endures it. And with one request, one urging, he'll stay. He'll stay. Now, the idea of him leaving doesn't mean he's leaving you theologically. He loves you. And he committed to you while you were in your deepest level of doubt and unbelief. When your life was a wreck, before you even knew who he was, he committed himself for your well-being. And so theologically he is with you, just experientially. You may not sense it because you're, you're filling the atmosphere with the wrong kind of language. And there's no reason for him to stay around to do things that he would do otherwise if he had faith because they aren't going to happen. When he was in his own hometown, Capernaum, his own home, people who knew him best, his Sunday, Saturday school teacher, his rabbi, this was the stellar student of the synagogue. Every neighbor knew how great of a son he was to his mama. He was, he was in his 20s. The, 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 the icon of virtue amongst all his friends at bachelor parties. He was amazed. Everybody knew him best there. And yet it says when he was wanting, in the fullness of his ministry, he was in his hometown wanting to do miracles. He could not because of their doubt and unbelief. Could not because of their doubt and unbelief. There's something about the atmosphere that we can build that allows him to do things experientially that we would never experience otherwise. What does your language sound like as you are walking with him? Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe. How is it that you missed it all? And you are even recounting to me that the, the, the statements that the women made... <coughs> And, and he's not saying me. He's, but, but you were, I was, they got, I'm, you're missing the point. I gave you as many signs, in fact, more than you needed, and you still don't believe. Moses and all the prophets should be a, a witness about who I am to you, but you still don't believe. And he pretended as, as if he was going to go farther. And then they urged him to stay. The urging of Christ, whenever you call out to him, he will appear. He will help. He will save. He will save just a little bit. It, uh, it doesn't take much. Just a little bit of faith. Stay with me. Stay with me. As they listen, it says that Jesus came to the house or the, maybe the, the lodging in, at which they were. And he began to, to talk more and he took the bread as they were dining and he broke it. And he gave it to them and, and, and the two men received it. And as soon as he gave it to them and they received it, he vanished. The combination of what they knew factually with what Jesus began to articulate to them on the road and then... The ministry that Jesus gave them that they received allowed their eyes to open. 
And I may not be the best presenter of truth to you today. There may be other options that could be much more articulate and eloquent. But I'm what you got today unless you plan to go to another church because you love church. I got the 7 at Grace. I got the 10 a.m. at McLean. It was great today. I may not be the best. Lon Solomon really may stroke your soul. He's a fabulous man over at McLean. Fabulous. But this morning, this bread is being broken by Christ through me. It's being broken by Christ through me. I'm trying to help you understand what the word is saying and how Jesus wants to be to you, to walk with you regularly and for you to experience him when all of creation is saying he's not there. Your entire life seems to be that which is going contrary to what God wants. You can't feel them. You can't see them. There's not a circumstance that is confirming anything. Yet you know he is there because your words have been those which have been filled with faith. And if not, you have cried out to him and said, stay with me anyway. I may not be what I should be. I may not say what I should say. But I want you to know I need you in my life so I can become what I need to become and say how I need to say. I need you. However, you have chosen to walk with him, either by desperation or by faith. Today, I'm opening this word to you to let you know he wants to reveal himself to you like never before. Some of you have strayed from the faith for a long time. He's been walking with you, but you not with him. My daddy... Uh, when I was in kindergarten, and I, I, I hated kindergarten. I remember it. That, that, this, this, is how, this is how much I hated kindergarten. Um, my mother was having my brother, and it was August, and that's when kids go back to school. So my daddy had to take me to my first day of kindergarten. My brother was born on August 31st. Mom was still in the hospital. Daddy had to take my first day. I cried in the car, walking to the school. He had to drag me down the hallway to my classroom. It's not, I remember every moment of it. It was that traumatic. I'm healed, but it was that traumatic. <laughs> Sat me physically, picked me up and plopped me in my chair. And kindergarten is only from 9 to 12 now. 9 to 12, that's it. I cried all three hours. All three hours. I wanted my mama. We only lived a block and a half away from the school. A block and a half. I mean, a, a three-minute walk. It was nothing. And um, I got my courage up and my stamina, and I knew that this was what I needed to do. So... They wanted me to walk to school, get some responsibility, get some courage. So somewhere in September, October, I started walking to school. And as I walked, um, I don't know what inspired me, but, but I looked behind me one day. And my dad had a Ford Thunderbird, beautiful, ragtop, gorgeous. And I, brand new, because I was four. And it was 1964, so it was brand new. 
or 65, whatever, I was four. And I looked behind me, and about five car lengths back was my dad following me. He wanted to make sure that I got to school okay. See, I wasn't with him, but he was with me. You have no idea how God's been following you. Your entire life. Following you to make sure that you were protected and loved and cared for. And that you got to your destination. I didn't stop. I didn't run back and say, hey, Dad. Something about me was cognizant at the age of four. I just got very secure. I said, my dad cares about me. He don't want nothing to happen to me. I walked up into school with my head high. I said, I still want mama, but I'm glad I got daddy. I'm glad I got daddy. I'm glad I got daddy. Where are you in proximity to your walk with Christ? He is risen for your benefit. He was crucified for your iniquity. And all he wants to do is get close. As I'm breaking open this bread today, it's my hope that you receive it. Because if you don't receive it, your eyes don't open. It wasn't just the breaking of the bread. It says he broke it and gave. And when they received, their eyes were open and he was gone. You can't see him naturally. But if you receive this morning, you'll see him. He is risen. He is risen for you.